Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. And it's that time again. We've clicked over into a new set of digits. Uh, this is episode number 71. We've also uh, coincidentally clicked over into a new season recently. Uh, so as is tradition, uh, at least on the numbers front, when I get to uh, 71, 61, 51, I'm bound by some form of anxiety or neuroses or duty <laughs> or tradition, uh, routine, whatever it may be, to sit down and kind of work on some thoughts uh, personally, just one-on-one. Uh, so I, d- I did want to open with the the idea of it is a new season. It's autumn. You know, the corn moon is waning. Uh, the harvest moon will soon be upon us. And I... Um, I hope for you that this uh, this summer was was fruitful and that you that you made it through uh, some difficult times or or maybe 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 things are going well for you and I that's that's wonderful too. Um, I hope that your harvest is a bountiful one, uh, whether physically like seriously really <laughs> a harvest or a, or a harvest on a spiritual sense. You know, it's a we're coming into a time now where uh, the light is fading. Right, the sun we're losing sun we're losing daylight at a rate of about four minutes a day now. So. Uh, you know, we're, we're coming on to a dark time, but it, it doesn't have to be a dark time, you know, spiritually or personally for you. Uh, you know, if you've cultivated uh, energy, if you've made connections, if you're if you're animating your ideas, you know, these are things that have that have certainly helped me. And maybe for you, it's family or it's it's friendship or it's whatever it is that you do to, to sort of keep that energy, keep that light within yourself. So uh, I, I just wanted to open by saying that I hope I hope for you a bountiful harvest. I hope it was a fruitful summer. And I hope that uh, you can uh, you can find strength and continue to find strength uh, in the coming dark times. And I mean, physically, literally, the dark time. I think that in a lot of ways we're we're um, on our way out of what has been a dark couple of years, uh, you know, reasonably or relatively, let's say, uh, in our lifetime. So um, I, I did want to get that across. And I, I do appreciate you listening, watching it means a lot. You know. Uh, it's not easy uh, to to always be cultivating energy and to be directing ourselves in the ways that we need to. But uh, you know, like the moon and like the seasons, uh, it always comes around, and we always do get a second chance, or a third chance, or a fourth chance, or really an eternal amount of chances, you may even say. So, I want to start with two things that may, uh, in some ways, seem disparate, but are in fact uh, connected uh, with an idea that I've been working on. Um, the first is a Bible verse from the New Testament. Um, and I, I'm no biblical scholar, and I don't necessarily uh, believe in Christianity in the sense of having made the leap of faith. Uh, but I, I think obviously the New Testament and the Old Testament are uh, very complex texts and very useful uh, in understanding ourselves and 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 our our society, uh, where it is and where it's gone and where it's been. So uh, this is a a story in the Bible that happened. It actually is told a few times in different in different parts of the New Testament. Uh, Specifically, or at least one of the examples is in Matthew 22. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will paraphrase. Um, essentially, the story uh, the story is uh, Jesus is sort of cornered uh, in an alley, or he sort of come a, these, this group of men come upon uh, upon him, and they say, "Well, what do you think? You know, should we as Jews have to pay taxes to the Roman Empire?" And uh, you know, they're kind of assuming he's going to say no, and then they can entrap him potentially, or he's going to say no, and then they're, they have some reason to continue not paying their taxes. I guess I'm not complete on the specifics there, but what Jesus said was, well, taxes, what do you pay taxes with? A coin, money? Let, let me see this coin that you supposedly pay your taxes with. And they, you know, they produce the coin, and on the coin is a picture of the emperor, right? So Jesus says, well, 
Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and render unto God the things which are God's. So th- this has been interpreted a lot of different ways uh, over the years, and um, I think there's probably different ways that you could potentially interpret it depending on <laughs> what agenda you had. So as far as my agenda here, I think this is really interesting. I guess what he's saying is, well, if you choose to live and do business in the empire, uh, you know, under under Roman rule, uh, and there is by that by that uh, you know agreement, you are you know required to pay taxes you know there's no way to get outside of that you know you're in an agreement with caesar i mean you're using caesar's money right his picture is on the on the coin you know the the emperor's picture is on the coin it kind of sounds like you probably owe him um and you know of course there well i guess then how the how the verse or the story ends is essentially these men kind of marvel at him and then they went away more or less satisfied to interpret it their own way but Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and render unto God the things which are God's. And uh, it was St. Augustine uh, afterwards, in their interpretation of it, they said, you know, in some ways Jesus paid the earthly tax, he rendered unto Caesar his body when he was crucified, and he, he then rendered unto God his spirit. And that may be a way for Christians to, to, look, at, to look at the world, you know, they we can we pay our earthly tax we do our earthly duty while we're alive and we then and we we render that to caesar we give to man we give to the earthly we give to the rulers uh the physical rulers the political rulers if you will uh what we can and to others and and then we give to god uh our soul and this has actually been used in the past to verify like tax evasion um you know, or, or I guess it was like the Quakers for one. They said, "Well, if we're living outside of the system, like we're not we're not using any of the um, infrastructure or, or or anything like that. Uh, we're just happen to be here. We're not benefiting from from you know the the ruling government. So why should we pay the government uh, if we're basically self sufficient?" I don't know too much more about that, but I just want you to keep in mind this idea of rendering to Caesar that which is Caesar's and rendering to God uh, that which is God. So. You know, to me, I think what it what it's what it's useful in we'll talk about different ways of interpreting it and different agendas. Um, there are different levels of analysis uh, that that we can use um, in our life, or to make sense of this world around us, right? So, it's also very important to me, and I've spoken about this on the show before, to avoid the sin of philosophical suicide. And what is philosophical suicide? That's French writer Albert Camus, who I seem to bring up on this uh, show every time I open my mouth, but philosophical suicide is to uh, imagine or suppose a rational meaning uh, of the universe, of life, and and to, uh, you know, make decisions based on that and to impose it, I would say, on others, right? So uh, for him to believe in an almighty, all-creating God would be philosophical suicide, you know, to to look at the world and and to suppose that all of this is because of an answer that I can conjure up. That's philosophical suicide. So, you know, to me, to me, I, I personally cannot suppose that God is anything other than what I say it is, right? Now, that's, I understand that's a departure from Christianity. Um, again, that's, that's just what it is. It's a departure from a certain way of believing, but again, still, still using a certain amount of uh, syncretism, I guess, in that you know, I, I can still see the value uh, in different forms of religion and understanding, but f- to me, I depart from Christianity there when I get to define what God is. And, and, and maybe, maybe Christianity... And, and my beliefs are the same. It's just, it's a language problem, you know, or it's a, it's a problem of different levels of thinking as far as how, how are we going to narrativize what God is. But um, 
you know, I've said before on the show, I think maybe it was the last time I sat down and did this, you know, um, to me, to me, God is something like the pursuit of the ideal self. You know, we, we're looking uh, outside of ourselves to what the ideal life, ideal world, ideal me might be. And we're, we're going after that. And it's in that vision and in that process and that striving um, that we find God. And, you know, you may have heard the saying, uh, man's uh, reach must exceed his grasp, meaning we must always be striving for something that we can't, we cannot uh grasp or achieve what's a heaven for is is the end of that quote man's reach must exceed his grasp else what's a heaven for right so to me to me god is is more it's it's something more attainable because it is the process of striving even if you can never reach the ideal it's that process of becoming as close to it as you can and and, and maybe the ideal keeps growing as you uh, step towards it i'm i'm not totally sure um you know, I've also talked about how God might be something like the oneness or the connectedness of the universe. You know, I think um, Camus talked about how the, uh, the universe is cold and irreconcilable. Um, it doesn't calculate. It doesn't. It doesn't really do anything. It just is chaos, a roiling, inexplicable phenomena. Uh, but but of course, the human mind is rational, right? And we seek meaning, and we seek to sort of order uh, the the chaotic universe, and so. To me, it's it's embracing that cold and irreconcilable nature of the universe and saying, um, you know, um, we are all one. We are all part of that. That chaos exists within me, and it's 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 my rational mind that allows me to make sense and go forward from that. But all entities, human, animal, plant, plants, <laughs> you know, maybe even the physical forces, you know, the the rotation of the planets, the flowing of the river, maybe maybe in some sense that's all one i mean it is all one it's useful to see it as different things because then we can choose what to do you know on a personal level but at the same time we are also in a sense um we choose to see ourselves as a different thing uh when again as i've said before it may not necessarily uh, be the case you know if you live your life seeing yourself as a as a part of the whole or as imbued with the same force of everything around you, it can be more useful and it can stem or it can generate some compassion. So like I said, I'm obviously departing from Christianity here, but you know, God may not be the father, the creator uh, who came to earth uh, as a man, but it remains, I think that there are discussions to be had about what is God and what is man's, right? What, what do we render to God and what do we render to Caesar? What, what different levels of analysis do we use to try and have a bigger picture of, of what life could be? Um, now I think it's, I, I chose this verse, well, I chose this verse specifically, I think because the idea of rendering unto Caesar, right, that's render to the earthly, uh, you know, yeah, render to the earthly, pay, pay the earthly tax, but also Caesar was the ruler, right? Where I want to go with this is I do believe that specifically there is an issue uh, of what, what falls into the realm of politics and what falls into the realm of, of the holy. Or, or, or for me, the holy and the self are actually the same thing in some ways. So, um, you know, I'm aware that this notion of being one, the universe being whole and we're all a part of the whole and it's all just energy flowing through us and I, I am the energy, I am the universe realizing itself in some sense. I realize that this kind of maybe far out or somewhat Eastern philosophy um doesn't necessarily lend itself to me then saying, but there are levels of analysis, you know, uh, it's contradictory in some way, but I do think that as much as the universe is this roiling chaotic mass uh, of energy of which I am just a small node 
that energy is passing through. I am just kind of roiling around with it uh, with far less control over it than I would like to think. I, I do think that we can make use of our rational mind. You know, like when, for me to say and for Camus to say that the universe is irrational chaos and we are rational creatures, I don't think that's a negative thing. I think that's all we've got, right? Like we have to use uh, the rational property of our mind uh, to make sense of this world for ourselves, right? So please, please make no mistake about it. I am trying to make sense of the world for myself as, as I believe many other people are and I'm stopping short of then implying or I would say imposing my understanding on others, right? Like whatever I'm saying here really should have no bearing on you unless you choose to think about it for yourself, right? Like uh, that's the problem, right? Like I, some friends, well, you know, Devin Bailey's on the show all the time and another friend of ours, we were sitting around, you know, and we were getting into some crazy talk about conspiracies and all this. And our one friend says, well, don't believe everything you read. And, and Devin said, well, you know, it's, it's not like I believe it, but isn't it more fun to, or it's not, it's not that I don't believe it or do believe it, but I don't act as if it were true. You know, uh, I don't make decisions based on these crazy unfounded things, but it's, there's a magical characteristic to believing in them, but not acting on them. You know, it's, it's, you don't, what I'm saying is you are by no means beholden to listen to this and then believe that it's true. You could disagree or you could take it home and think about it. I would not want anybody to agree with what I'm saying uh, unconditionally. So again, again, the, the issue here is, is that, is, is that people suppose a rational belief. Uh, they suppose a sort of metaphysical truth uh, that they have, have either discerned themselves or been taught whether it's religion, politics, some form of ideology, and then they impose it on others, right? That's the problem. That's, that's to me, where the issue lies. So, you know, speaking of, of forcing our understanding on others and, and committing, like, a really bloody version of philosophical suicide, and then, you know, as well, rendering to God the things that are Caesar's. Now, speaking of all that, I want you to take a listen to this clip. I'm going to cut it in here. This is New York Governor Kathy Hochul. I've prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say, thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody. You don't want to get the virus from them. You're already sick or you wouldn't be there. We have to solve this, my friends. I need every one of you. I need you to let them know that this is how we can get, fight, fight this pandemic, come back to normal, and then start talking about the real issues that we have to fighting systemic racial injustice, which exists today. And if there's a denier, I will take you on any date because I've seen it. I know it exists. And we are not going to have a blind eye to this ever again any longer under my... <laughs> okay. 
that is tremendous, right? Like I'm actually floored, I would say. I'm almost respectful of the of the of the quality of the thoroughness of of the philosophical suicide there and the utter disregard. Okay, the utter disregard for the separation of church and state, which which clearly never really did happen. Obviously. And and notice how at the end and then the clip the clip cuts out, but she segues into systemic racism, which you know, as a, as a Canadian, for one, and just as someone who's met people who, who've thought more about that idea than I have, I, I'm less critical of that argument than of, of what I'm criticizing here. Um, I, think it's, I think it's hard to, you know, I think it's hard to, I guess the point I'm trying to make is this, this episode is not about systemic racism, although she, Governor Hochul, Governor Hochul in that video, uh, kind of wheels her way into it after, after, um, um, well, after putting herself on the side of moral righteousness, I mean, she's aligned herself with Christ. I mean, that is really what a what a what a great political trick, right? She she first she she uses the vaccine uh, as a way to align herself with God and moral righteousness. Like, first of all, what would that do to somebody who dared to question or? You know, what light would we then, by that logic, paint somebody who disagreed with her as? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we've gone here in this... I mean, this clip is truly... <laughs> I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I mean, we, we've gone from trust the science, it's rational, peer-reviewed, tested trial, etc., etc., to God made the vaccine. And not only did God make the vaccine, but Governor Hochul asked for us, or her constituents, the, her voters, her, her whoever to be her apostles. I mean, she's, she's truly, truly saying the quiet part out loud here. I mean, for those interested, the word apostle comes from the ancient Greek send forth. So, you know, if we want to cut her some slack, okay, in a sense, she's asking others to champion the vaccine, right? Like to send forth the good word of the vaccine, which, fine, that's fine. But why not just say that? Because she, she's picking her words very carefully here. This is not necessarily just like unhinged Bible thumping. This is, this is a very desperate, very calculated move, I think, um, to, to align herself with the moral righteousness, right? Like, we're not having a discussion about, about facts or about um, possibilities anymore. We're now, we're now having someone who, who sees themselves as Christ Almighty uh, talking down to us and telling us how to live our lives. Who's the only person in the world that I can think of, or that maybe you, maybe you know someone else, but who, who, who in, who in the Western canon, Western world, Western culture, was ever bold enough to claim to have apostles? You know, right? So I've been, I've been racking my brain actually for a long time to try to figure out how to present this idea, and, and this, this clip from Governor Hochul, I mean, it's truly miraculous. It makes you miss. It makes you miss Andrew Cuomo. But it's the idea that it's the idea that politics has become religion, right? And I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's religion has been downgraded to political, or the political has been upgraded to the religious in a secular in a secular society. But you know, politics at least is is now talked about or it's dealt with um, in a in. A, in all-encompassing religious terms, and and this this transition, I think, really is the defining characteristic of our era, and I've been I've been trying to trace it back, you know, and it probably goes far way further back than I'm even aware. But I mean, you could definitely see how 
how in the in the last you know five or six years four or five years donald trump became this icon of love and hate you know he he became he became an idea right like recently um, the california governor gavin newsom was facing recall and he said this is a recall or this is a vote on 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 liberty on democracy versus trumpism like trump isn't even in the picture anymore and and now suddenly now suddenly trumpism is something that that the the left or or the democrats or, or liberals see as them see as they have to fight right it's again it's tribalism 101 uh but it's 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 truly tribal in the sense of uh it's a whole ism based on a single person you know it's this 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 icon worship this hero worship um i mean i i don't know really what to say about that but this 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 idea that this idea that politics and i mean politics in 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 the in the rhetoric that's going on around government and that's also going on in the media and social media of the way that we talk to one another i mean i'm sure i'm sure that trump and then covid for instance i'm sure that just killed a whole hell of a lot of family dynamics and just probably uh you know <laughs> probably really ruined some people's lives because they chose to make that the issue that they that they fought about you know and, and that they, they they drew lines around things that were external to them instead of truly uh, you know, trying to get to the heart of the matter, which is, you know, ultimately a personal or psychological or spiritual issue, you know, that has really less to do with other people, you know, but that's, uh, that'd be circumstantial, I'd be guessing, but I've seen in ways in which, like, um, discussion around COVID, discussion around politics has, you know, there's, there's, there, I have generated friction between myself and my family, and, and we've, we've been able to talk around it because we're, we have healthy, good, strong rapport. But you could see how if, if people were less likely to budge or less likely to listen or less likely to reason and, and, and be logical, how you could really, really allow that to damage your family structure. And that, that, that's, well, that's the beginning of the road to hell in some ways, right? If you start to break down the family tree, um, you know, what, what good could possibly come of that? Yeah, and obviously social media and, and legacy media, TV and newspapers and that sort of thing. These things work um, to gain your attention and they work to create divisiveness. They, they, they truly do. They work to create fear. And I don't, I don't know if that's a purposeful thing or if it's, it's how they choose what to report on because they know it'll get attention. Because my understanding, at least, and my, my intuition here is that uh, news media of all kinds has, has just really become real estate for advertising, right? Like they want eyes on their product because then they can sell uh, ad space. They can sell to the advertisers. They can make big money off the ads. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but, but I really do think that that's a huge part of it, right? So it's, it's well known that people will, will watch and then will flock to things that are divisive, things that are tribal, things that are fear inducing, you know, because well, I don't know why. That's 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 the nature of. Is that the nature of humanity? I'm not sure, but. I think a lot of what I'm saying now is is in some ways tired and well known, you know. And it, it again, I don't mean to straw man here. There's plenty of people who can watch the news and 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 go on social media and listen to politicians talk and know that it's know that they're full of shit. Know that they're just peddling in bullshit. And, and still get the information that they need to to operate in, in the world, right? It's not like, I don't, I mean, I'm probably as, as uh, guilty of not doing that as anybody else at times. I, you know, I don't mean to profess to be uh, above any of this. Uh, I'm just as much in it and under it as anybody else. Uh, but I would say that these so-called institutions, let's say media, politics, um, 
social media, if if not a uh, institution, is for sure a utility. And um, you know, they they work against that idea of unity, right? Like I was talking about the unity of of, of people, unity within the universe. Uh, we're all one. Well, these these institutions. Uh, don't make any mistake about it. They're man-made, of course. Uh, they they fuel that unity, right? Um, sorry, they fuel that divisiveness. They actively go against that unity. So I find that pretty pretty interesting. You know, uh, just before I came out here, I saw an article. I think it was in the L.A. Times or something about uh, a scientist who's working on an artificial intelligence project, and he said it's a the quote. I didn't read the headline, but the lead was, you know. <laughs> the headline anyway was it's a little bit frightening because we're essentially creating God. So don't make any mistake about it. We as a species are going to engineer, we are going to engineer our own downfall. <laughs> but I think more than anything, uh, for me at least, the pandemic, of course, the COVID pandemic uh, in the last year and a half, and more importantly, the politicization of the response the politicization of the reaction, the way that we split into camps on what we believed based on what we believed, right? I believe that that has revealed to, to, to me quite clearly and, and to many other people what it is to be human, you know? Um, first and foremost, we are meaning-seeking creatures, right? Like, And we're rational enough in the sense that we can discern a meaning that at least works to operate day-to-day. You know, I think in the face of this cold, chaotic, irreconcilable incomprehensiveness that is the universe of which the pandemic is a wonderful sort of microcosmic example of we humans we search for answers we search for causes we search for solutions i think in there is where we find comfort i mean that's the same thing i'm doing here right i mean i'm trying to make sense of the world in a way that works for me all the while knowing that it's it's impossible to make sense of the world period but i can make sense of it in a way that works for me um, because I find it comforting because then, you know, I, I don't know, I can, I can at least be like, well, I can get out of bed in the morning and I can piddle around and putz around and do the things I enjoy doing. I can have a career. I can have relationships. I can, I can have goals, you know, start up, you know, continue building my business, buy a house, these sorts of things, have a family, see the world, you know, maybe do some good for some other people if such a thing were possible. But, but that's kind of the, the bedrock, right? But at least I can sort of base that on the fact that I think I have some reason of how the universe works, at least in my my noggin. You know, I think I think even in the origin of the pandemic, uh, it was immediately, 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 immediately. You may have thought, okay, well, this is like when the mothership comes down from space and we all have to band together to fight the aliens. You might think, okay, here's a worldwide problem. We're all supposedly in this together, but immediately from the, from the get-go, it became polarized, partially because of, of Trump, of course, but it was racist in the early days to suggest that maybe this virus uh, leaked from a lab in China, and somehow, somehow that was less racist than suggesting that Chinese people regularly eat bats, you know? But because Donald Trump went out and said, perhaps this came from a lab, and I, I could be getting this wrong. I could be. I honestly, I, I may have to fact check this, but I do recall that that was that was put forth by Trump fairly early, before this was kind of a mainstream, at least accepted theory of, of the origin of COVID. And of course, if Trump says it, then fifty percent of the world or more is duty bound to reject it, despite evidence to the contrary. And now I'm not totally sure where it lies. The last thing I saw was 
really we still don't know where it came from. There's there's good evidence that it did come from a lab, but um, the Chinese are making it hard to get in there and do the, the necessary digging, and, and, and the evidence is hard to come by. So I have no idea. I don't think it really even matters. But like I said before, the to me the pandemic... Uh, despite your political stripes, has, has been a fascinating sort of meta, meta study, right? Like if you get up out of the, the muck and the mire of the details of COVID, this pandemic has been just a real incredible, I guess, uh, study in, in, in humanity, right? In the state of humanity, right? Like you, you see people driving in their cars alone wearing a mask. Makes zero sense. Truly, it makes no sense. You see, you hear of people getting together in groups in the hopes of catching COVID, successfully catching COVID. Father goes to the hospital and dies. Son fights for his life in the hospital. They, they are able to save him. On the way, as they're wheeling him out, he, he calls the nurses and the healthcare workers murderers. Okay. I just read on the way over here today. Well, I wasn't reading and driving, but I just read. I read before I left the house that we have uh, ICU units, hospitals being being phoned. People are phoning and harassing the, the, the healthcare workers. I have to tell you, we give our species way too much credit. Truly, we do. I, I do think, too, that maybe that's why we uplift people that we view as heroic. Because we, in some sense, know that we are pretty shitty as a species. We're pretty shitty people. We have the capability to be very evil, very stupid, very fearful, very vengeful. You know, it's not that we've it's not that we've lost the plot. I think it's that the the, the plot is the problem, right? Like a monstrous global event cannot be adequately put into a narrative. And so what do we end up with? Tribalism. Pick a side. We don't truly know what the fuck's going on. Pick a side. And it doesn't help that institutions, like I said, politics, government, media, um, even the family in some sense, uh, the educational system, you name it, any, any, of these, any of these institutions truly that we've built for ourselves, they don't function well, they certainly don't function with uh, our best interest in mind, I don't think. And they, they, they definitely don't have unity in mind, right? Like um, politicians, producers, uh, you know, mouthpieces of all shapes and sizes don't stay in their goddamn rhetorical lane. What do I mean by that? A lot of them come out and claim to have all the answers. They render unto God what is Caesar's, okay? They, 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 give, they give it all to the earthly and if, if they would just show some humility accept that they don't have the answers throw up their hands and say this is chaos but here's what we're going to do to try and get through it then maybe then maybe we could all pull together if they said you know what the universe is chaos the universe is meaningless uh, the pandemic is completely out of control. We don't know where it came from. It seems to, we're lucky that it doesn't kill people uh, at too crazy a rate, but we're overwhelmed still. At least in Alberta, we're fucked. If they would just admit that and then say, we don't have all the answers, but here are some things that, that logically we could do, then, 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 you know, and maybe if the media would stop stoking the fires of fear, 
you know, and then maybe people could calm down and see logically. They don't have to wear a fucking mask in the car, <laughs> you know. Um, and maybe you don't have to mask kids in school. I don't know, but maybe you should think for sure about air filtration, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I would never pretend to. But I think the gall, the utter gall of a politician to align themselves or present themselves as Christ and this this ongoing moral grandstanding of many, many people claiming that they know best because of science, which, by the way, science is not anything like religion, even though in some senses science has become the new religion. Right? Like, science changes based on evidence. But this, this, this ongoing moral grandstanding, as if you thought of these ideas yourself. Um, and again, the gall, the gall of a politician to, to essentially present themselves as Christ. I mean, it's shocking, but it's, it's really not at all surprising, I suppose. I think part of this part of this can be attributed to the fact that uh, you know for the first time in many many generations we are directly confronting our own mortality. Right? Like instead of just masturbating to the fantastical disconnection to it in in Marvel movies, you know, and Netflix series, we're now truly being forced to stare it down. Like we've all seen the graph of like this is how many people died this year. Here's a big wave of when people died this year. Oh, by the way, the hospital's full and people with brain tumors can't get surgery. Okay, I get it that it's dark. And I think, I think part of what we're seeing is that when hordes of people suddenly are forced to realize that life is cruel, that it doesn't care, well, as they say, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? That means that, well, you know what it means. There's no atheists in foxholes. When we get into the, into the shit, into the dark when we're staring death in the face even though you may say still that this pandemic is in some ways fairly mild compared to what it could be we need a language we need a religious language to make sense of it we need to have all the answers we need to believe that there's an almighty all creating god out there who's going to save our ass in the end but it seems to me that that a lot of people have rejected the old God of love and, and there's a new God now of power and control. And I, but that power and control is an earthly uh, Caesarian, if you will, trait. And we're paying, <laughs> we're paying, we think we're, you know, we think sometimes we're paying God and really we're giving, we're giving too much to the, to the earthly realm, too much credit, too much control, too much power occurs external to us when if more people could look inside as i said before then maybe the revolution could begin but i don't see it i really don't you know so i would say that one of the more i guess interest intriguing aspects as i was saying looking at covid you know from sort of a meta level um it has been this uptick uh, since the vaccines have rolled out. There's been this uptick in in unity. I would say, truly, um, not necessarily the kind of unity I've been preaching <laughs> up till now. But it's there's this sense of you've seen it. People who are vaccinated um, urging people who aren't vaccinated to 
to do so, to get vaccinated, right? Um, I think in some ways it does fly in the face of what I said because you could see it as compassion. You know, you could. But really, I just think it's it's more divisiveness, right? Like you still have the camps playing out. You still have two groups of people. And uh, now, now, now one is going to suppose they have all the answers and impose on, on, on another person uh, a set of actions or a course of action because of a meaning that they themselves supposedly have come to on their own, uh, but likely have just been sort of talk down to and again i'll be completely honest i i am vaccinated i believe that i believe that uh, and everybody has the right to be vaccinated if they feel they should be you know i took a look at the way the wind was blowing i didn't see a career a future for my career without it you know on a health level the risk was small enough that i took it um the risk to, to becoming infected and and seriously maimed or injured by covid was also low uh, but I, I, I did what I felt I had to do. Uh, that being said, I am not in favor of, of mandated vaccines. I'm not in favor of, of people being coerced into getting vaccinated. And nor am I in favor of people disclosing their vaccination status to others if they don't feel they have to. So this, this, this trend, I would say, of, of what could be disguised as compassion, but urging other people to get vaccinated. I, I don't think it's compassion, though. I don't think it's true unity. I, I still think it's an extension of the tribalism. You know, it's that religious sort of uh, preaching, proselytizing, um, supposing supposing the understanding, supposing their own personal understanding of the world and then imposing it on others. I think, I mean, that's the whole issue, right? Um, it, I think it's more truly about control and power. I had a really interesting conversation with Jordan Peterson and a guy that I cannot remember his name now, but they, they spoke about this idea of philosophia, philosophy, the love of knowledge, and philonikia, which is the the love of victory. I think I think that's a huge I think we're in a world, we're in an arena now where the love of victory far outweighs the love of knowledge, you know. Again, I, I need to be quite honest, I am straw manning here. I, I I'm constructing a sort of liberal leftist monster and then a, a, a you know a conspiratorial um anti-vaxxer monster which maybe that's part of the problem too right like i have to create a narrative to get these points across but even in doing so the narrative doesn't quite do it justice i think the entire thing is chaotic and sure there are trends and sure there's data that help us make sense of what's going on but at some point i i, I do and maybe after this or maybe i'll do it right now i'll throw up my throw up my hands and say i I don't really have any answers. I'm just kind of working on things that I'm seeing. And that, in a sense, that's freeing, you know, when you, when you just, in a way, roll over and, and just sort of <laughs> show your belly to the big chaotic monster that, that lurks above us and just know that all I'm trying to do is check some boxes and, and make sense of some things that work for me, at least so I can keep moving forward and fill up my time on this podcast and get to 100 episodes by the end of the year and then quit. No, I'm not going to quit. I might quit. We'll see. You know, but it's a hard one to reconcile. It's a hard one to reconcile because the common argument that you hear is, well, vast majority of people in the hospital, especially in Alberta, are unvaccinated. And, uh, you know, they use up. Someone takes up a bed that necessarily didn't necessarily have to be there, if that is true, if that is the case. 
and thereby present, uh, preventing someone who, who needs the care from, from getting what they need. But oftentimes, oftentimes this argument is phrased as well. Somebody unvaccinated with COVID is taking up a bed that somebody I know could have been in there and needed and get the care that they needed. Somebody I know didn't get the care they needed because of somebody else. It's, it's very rarely, hey, you should get vaccinated because there's plenty of vaccinated people who are choking, uh, choking for air and getting their lungs suctioned out on a daily basis and, and probably aren't going to make it. And if they're on a ventilator, then it's probably over. You know, it's, it's, rarely, it's rarely a sort of, uh, you know, hard-hitting compassion like that, if you will. It's usually, well, some unvaccinated asshole is preventing somebody I know from having what they need. That just sounds like an, absten- an extension of tribalism, doesn't it? Right? Like, there really is, and there always has been, and there always will be this process of othering. You know, I recently saw, um, this may have, I, I can't vouch that this was actually true, but I, I saw a screenshot for a Facebook group that had like 5,000 people, and it was called Shit That Plague Rats Say. And Plague Rats is a derogatory slur, I guess, for for the unvaccinated but by the way we do now know especially the delta variant that this virus can spread vaccine or no vaccine just on my again too much time on twitter today i think but it seems to be helping (laughs) with the delta variant again i will hopefully go back and post a link or you can fact check this for yourself when it comes to the delta variant vaccinated unvaccinated symptomatic asymptomatic no difference in the viral load in the body Okay, so we're all plague rats. Remember that. Now, I said this, what I'm about to say, I said this on the podcast with Jeff Marin last week, and I heard myself say it after, and I was like, Ugh, I don't know, I don't know. So I, I, I throw myself at the mercy of, of other people here. In a time of sickness, how can we blame the sick? Or how can we at least, let's say, solely blame the sick? I realize that there's plenty of good information, all the information one would need about the vaccines out there to make that decision for yourself to get it, especially if you're at risk, I suppose. If you put yourself into spots where you're likely to transmit or I would say catch the disease. But there's plenty of disinformation about vaccines. Surely plenty of it isn't true. Uh, But we we cannot say that these things are... are, um, 100% without risk. Nothing in this life is without risk, right? So um, we know there's heart conditions. We know that there's obviously breakthrough cases. You know, these are not, these, these are not the magic bullet. These are not the sort of um, deus ex machina, meaning the God in the machine. Is that the God in the machine? No. Deus ex machina, the God that comes down from on high and just sort of fixes everything at the end of the play. I don't know what machina is. Deus ex machina. But it's this idea that there could be this all-consuming, all-saving all um, phenomena that comes down and just fixes it. The vaccines are not that. Let's be quite clear about that. Again, vaccinated. Truly believe that people should get vaccinated if they feel that, that they want to. Also believe that people don't want to get vaccinated, they shouldn't have to. Although I would say, 
again, not in favor of mandated vaccines. I really don't like this vaccine passport thing because of the precedent that it sets. What next, right? But I would say in in this life, you make your choice, you, you assume the risk. There is no, you know, again, it's the same thing. People want to say, oh, well, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have to uh, get vaccinated and I should continue to live my life the way I want. Life doesn't work that way. Nobody really gives a fuck. The universe doesn't give a fuck. It's going to keep on rolling and you make the decision. You play the game, right? Like, and if you're so caught up in your own freedoms, what the hell are you doing with those freedoms to make this world a better place, I would ask? besides bitching about it. So what I was saying earlier before I came unhinged <laughs> was that in a time of sickness, how, how can we blame the sick? Truly. Uh, it's a question I'm asking. And I understand that, well, okay, you know, a huge majority of people in the hospital are unvaccinated. We could be more or less out of this mess if everybody was vaccinated. Probably that's true. I think, I think probably there'd still be plenty of people in the hospital uh, with this d- disease, vaccinated or not. Again, that's an unfounded claim that just came out of my head that I may not even believe. But uh, man, I saw this. I should have saved this and posted it. But it was a a clip from an Israeli TV show that just talked about. I mean, Israel has kind of become the the sort of I don't know lightning rod or whatever you want to say for a huge huge amount of the population is vaccinated and case counts or, or, or something. I'm not even going to say that because I don't know the detail. So forget it. How can we solely blame the sick in a time of sickness? Okay. I understand there's a lot of good information on vaccines out there that people can make their choice. But what about government incompetence? We've now been in this for a year and a half and you're telling me that they couldn't, they couldn't support the healthcare workers in this province with reinforcements more facilities, more people. I get that it's not just like you snap your fingers and it's there, but a year and a half? A year and a half. Field hospitals? That that is that a thing? Could we could we have done that? And I understand that an ICU bed is not just a bed. It requires labor. It requires a person, specialized knowledge and care for, for the person who's ill. But I really have a hard time believing that we can't we can just we can just say, well, the healthcare workers are doing the best they can, which I'm sure they are, given given what they've got and given where we're at. Period, and it's all your fault for 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 needing the care. I really think that uh, the distrust that institutions like media and politicians have built up over the last year, or, or over the last <laughs> four thousand years, how about and 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 government incompetence. We have to we have to blame there has to be blame placed in a lot of ways here right like and again that's all I can say there's there's too much chaos there's too much to there's too much to reconcile but you cannot solely place the blame on the sick in a time of sickness you really you cannot I think that this phenomena of blaming the sick in a time of sickness um, is really what I've been talking about for God knows how long now, that old familiar tribal comfort. If I can objectify someone or a whole class of people, if I can formulate them in my mind as the object of ire, object of ire, right? The object of my ire. The reason for this curse, if I can cast them as the sinners, I can feel all right about myself. 
It's not compassion. It's not unity. It's tribalism and it's divisiveness. And again, I don't expect this to ever go away. I'm just saying this is what I'm observing. I think most of all, we're privileging division and conflict over unity. Okay, we're privileging division and conflict over unity and oneness. This could have been, but it never was going to be. But it could have been a time where we could have all pulled together and seen things the same way. But that is actually impossible. Truly. I really do mean that, that if we had a District 9 scenario, and I should go back to that movie to see what actually happened, but... If we had a District 9 scenario where the mothership came down and aliens were assassinating people in the streets, there would still be people on the side of the aliens. Truly, there would be. So there's a couple other things I would just want to touch on real quick here and then we'll, you can stop listening to me and get on with your life. I recall back in the spring, this was like early April, mid-April, there was a video posted by an Edmontonian, I think his name was Kaler Betts. Kaler Betts? Was that it? Anyway, in that video, he, well, he got a lot of flack for one, for, for saying what he said. And although I think what he said was not necessarily wrong in some ways, it, w- it was probably wrong in other ways. And I actually liked the video. And then a friend, my, a friend of a friend asked my friend, I think Pat's a COVID denier. Pat's a COVID denier. But he got a lot of flack on that video because he, and he made the same problem, and he made the same, I guess, rhetorical mistake that Joe Rogan made uh, around the same time, was when he conflated immune health and, and general well-being and healthy lifestyle choices with a cure for COVID rather than a prevention. At least that's how I saw it. I, I could be getting it wrong, but I think, I think it, it leads me to this point, which is it's a shame that this last year and a half has not been a global revolution in personal health. Maybe it has. I mean, circumstantially, I know a few people who have who have vastly improved their health. I just saw a guy that I hadn't seen in since literally I walked out of my job March 11, 2020, and they said, you're done, you're not coming back. I walked in there for the first time just the other day, a year and a half later, guy looked incredible. Lost a ton of weight, keeping fit. I know a bunch of people like my parents' age, boomers, Boomer ages who've lost a ton of weight. Even a, an uncle of mine who's like must be in his seventies, ex uncle whatever, uh, lost a ton of weight. Quit smoking. But you've also seen a lot of. Well, I don't know. I actually haven't seen too many people really let themselves go. But I guess what I'm saying is, there needed to be a discussion had about about um, illness and about immune health and about lifestyle choices and about environmental factors. I mean, I could list them now. Fluoride in the water is a neurotoxin. The food that we eat, even even me going to the grocery store and getting a steak, you know, that thing could, I suppose, be full of antibiotics, right? Eggs, same thing. Any dairy product, um, you name it. The seed oil, right? The veg- so-called vegetable oil, which is not vegetable oil at all. In fact, if I could, I try not to preach, but if I could... Uh, get off the canola oil, man. That shit'll kill you. Get off the mayonnaise. Get off the soybean oil. Anyway, all that processed food that we eat. Uh, alcohol, cannabis. Like, there are so many things that we do to ourselves that cause cancer, that cause unwellness, infl- inflammation, uh, uh, you know, just <laughs> generally being unwell. 
that we're not talking about, right? Like this, this, I mean, we have to say, okay, for sure. There are some folks that are just fucked, right? Like you're 80 years old, you have dementia. There's a good chance you're going to die of COVID in the hospital. Okay. That's a shame. That's a, that's a tragedy. Obviously every human death I think is a tragedy. Looking forward, though, we really should have been having that discussion about keeping yourself in a, like a reasonable amount of health, right? Like this disease picked off people who had, uh, well, actually dementia and Alzheimer's first and foremost was like the number one comorbidity, I believe. Lung disease, heart disease, okay, heart disease. We do not talk enough about smoking, or maybe we do, maybe that's come and gone, but like the food for sure and the immobility you know, the sitting, the smoking, the eating like shit, the not, not exercising. Again, I'm spooling out here, but I think, I think I'm making the point is that this, what could have been or what should be for you and it is for me a real sort of moment to look inward and say, what can I do to keep myself in better shape? Because then maybe I could, uh, you know, help another person get in shape, uh, I don't mean in shape, like you look good naked. I mean, like, how's your immune system functioning? How's your, how's your GI tract? Like, how's your skin? Like, these are the markers of, of where you're at um, on a physical, personal health level. And, uh, you know, <laughs> wouldn't a healthier population be more resilient to the next pandemic, which is, which is for sure coming? You know, like, I, again, circumstantial here. I saw that clip of Anthony Fauci pre-pandemic in 2019 and some guy asked him so you know if a if a viral pandemic were to come along would we be wearing masks and gloves and Fauci laughed and said no you just keep in shape just keep in shape eat well I, I will try and find that again circumstantial fact check me on that but have I made the point yet about the fact that like I have nothing but love and respect for healthcare workers, truly. I don't think that, I think that protesting in hospitals is wrong. I think that blaming the healthcare workers, harassing the healthcare workers is wrong, period. In the hospital, the politics are out the window. I mean, I know they're not truly. Uh, there's there's a lot of moral grandstanding going on among healthcare workers uh, that I've seen. But when people are actively working to save lives, <laughs> there's no room for me to come in there and say anything. But we as a society are sick. Hence why COVID did the damage that it did. I try not to get caught up in questions of who's right and who's wrong. I really do believe that everybody should read, everybody should read The Plague by Albert Camus. I think there's some really interesting things in there that he does but first and foremost the plague for him in that book like literally there's a resurgence of the bubonic plague and a, a whole town goes into quarantine um true quarantine like no one gets in no one gets out um the plague became a device like a literary device that Camus used to discuss or to sort of expose to us the cold irreconcilable uh, chaos the meaningless of the universe, which can rise up and strike at any time and, and then ebb away just like it came. And, and it's a reminder that our own lives are, are truly fleeting. So I think in some ways, 
it's it's a waste of your time to get caught up in, in who's right and who's wrong and what tribe am I on when you're not looking inside of your own personal and spiritual well-being. You know, this human love of control and victory and being right, it'll never subside. Um, but on an, on an individual level, perhaps we could spot in ourselves these these times when when we when we're tending away from what's what what's working and what's what's compassionate and, and where the energy is flowing through us and where we're being a and where we're being a sort of um stopper in that flow you know um on a small tribal level maybe we can have meaningful compassionate interactions despite differing beliefs uh, but make no mistake about it i do believe this government corporate media, politicians, uh, corporations, by design, they are institutions of control, of growth, of attention, and of power. Okay? Government, media, politicians, and corporations are by design institutions of control. I make use of all of them. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Control, growth, and attention. That's what these things live off of. Power over you. Maybe you can Maybe you can rein a little bit of that in if you give a little less to these giant machines, right? The, the big, gigantic corporate and capitalist world requires one thing to function, human energy. We all are bound to give a little bit. Some of us give our whole lives and get nothing in return. If you can limit or regulate how much you give, maybe that's a start, you know? Feed that energy back into yourself. Exercise, meditation, self-care, being a father, being a mother, being an aunt, being an uncle, you know, building a a legacy, building a family tree, um, building a goddamn house. I don't know. Do something for yourself. Do something for those around you. Feed that energy back into yourself and see how far you can go. Feed that energy that you would normally give to an institution if you can help it and, and see how far you can go. To me, I think this podcast does that. Devin just sent me a, a, a tweet that says that YouTube is going to start removing content that says that the vaccines are um, are not 100% safe. So with this episode now, <laughs> find me on Patreon, I guess, or find me on Vimeo. I don't know. But you can't trust the institutions, period. Like you really can't. I don't. I, I never thought I would be sitting here ranting into a microphone about this. But that welcome to thirty. You know, welcome to thirty-two. <laughs> but I think that's enough for now. I think I've made the point. I hope I've made the point. Let me know. Um, again, I do just want to say, uh, the autumn is upon us. I hope that your harvest is bountiful. I hope that you can, um, you know, cultivate that energy, cultivate that light as we as we go into a, a seasonal a season of darkness. And uh, hopefully it's a time when we can see more people than we were seeing at this time last year and, you know, build that community energy back up. But again, for those listening and watching to the North Bank Media Podcast, I do thank you. We are actually, or I am alone, in case it wasn't obvious, that I'm out here on the North Bank uh, where I feel at home, where I can generate these ideas. And uh, I thank you for for stopping in. I wish you the best and keep on keeping on and have yourself a good night.